You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. thing that Paul connects the ideas about the great love of Jesus and his sacrificial death. Many people think that preaching Christ crucified is all about the, the bloody, gory Jesus. But the point of Christ crucified is not the gore, but the love. Preaching Christ crucified means we preach Christ Jesus full of love. Because it was love that brought him to the cross. It was love that held him on the cross. It was love that caused him to die on the cross. A love for you, a love for me, a love for the world. The point of the cross of Jesus is the love that held him there. Pastor Dave will tell you today not to focus on the gore and the horror of crucifixion, but rather to set your eyes on why Jesus died in this manner. Jesus took the extreme punishment that all sin deserves, and he died for you, all because he loves you. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he continues his message, A Tale of Two Visions. You are When's the last time you asked somebody to come to church? When's the last time you asked somebody to share the gospel with, wanted to share your gospel with? God has given us such, such a chore. He's given us such a wonderful, wonderful message. And we keep it to ourselves. We see this demonstrated in Cornelius. He calls his family. He calls his friends. He calls his relatives. He wants his family to hear what Peter has to say. Why? Because he knows the power of salvation. If you've experienced salvation, you know the power. You know what God has done in your life. Don't you want everybody to experience that? You should want everybody in the entire world that you meet to experience what you have. It should be on our lips every single time. Jesus is the only way to salvation. The only way to salvation. There is no other way that you can get to salvation except by Jesus Christ. Cornelius' love for his family and his friends is seen here. He knew what salvation was, and he wanted everybody to experience it. Verses 25 and 26, it says, As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up, I myself am also a man. There probably was a time in Peter's life when he probably would have accepted this worship because there was a time, I think, in Peter's life where he thought he was pretty cool. He'd be Peter. He was, he was cool. Until the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. And I don't think how cool he thought he was then. But Peter refuses Cornelius' worship. Peter is right for a change. Peter makes the right choice. He refuses Cornelius' worship. But the flesh gets caught up in those kind of things. We recognize somebody as being used by God. Immediately, we want to put them on a pedestal. Let's put them on a real high pedestal so they have further to fall. Immediately, we want to worship them. Let's lift these people up. It's a dangerous spot to be, not only for the person being lifted up, but for the person doing the lifting up. It's a bad spot to be. No one should be lifted higher than Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is the only one that we exalt. He is the only one that we worship. And he is the only one that is worthy of our praise and our worship continually. No one deserves that. No one deserves that. But we, as men and women, we exalt others into high positions. 
In Acts 14, when we get there, Barnabas and Paul had this problem. Barnabas and Paul had this problem when they went to Lystra. The priest of Jupiter was pulling an ox down the street with a great big machete in his hand. He was going to kill the ox and give worship and sacrifice to Paul and Barnabas. When Paul saw him, he began to tear his clothes. Remember, we talked about that last week, renting one's clothes. He started to tear his clothes and said, hey, 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 I'm not a god. Don't worship me. Worship God only. It's only God that deserves our worship. Only the Lord deserves our worship. Now, I'm sure Billy Graham walked through that door. Pastor Chuck Smith walked that door. We would all go, the ooh, you know, we'd all have tinglys, and we'd all go, ooh, and we'd want to run over there. But they would be the first to tell you, they're men. They would be the first to tell you, worship the Lord. Don't worship any man. Don't worship. Even though they've been used mightily to save thousands upon thousands, but they've been used by God. I love this one commentator, and I forget his name. Sorry if you're listening on the, on the radio commentator. But on this commentator said, Peter refused both to be treated by Cornelius as if he were a god and to treat Cornelius as if he were a dog. You hear that? Peter refused both to be treated by Cornelius as if he, Peter, was a god, and he refused to treat Cornelius as if Cornelius was a dog. I like that. The Lord had done a mighty work in Peter's heart. The Lord had really done a mighty work in Peter's heart. As we move on to verse 27, it says, And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Now, you're, can you imagine this? Let me set this situation up for you. You're invited to a party. You're invited to the party. Somebody calls to you and says, come to a party. Uh, we need to hear from you. And you go to this party. You open up the door, and everybody's there, and they're staring at you. And they will listen to what you have to say. I mean, would that be the greatest thing in the whole wide world? This is a preacher's delight. This is just like, yeah, this is great. I mean, this is even better than somebody saying, what must I do to be saved? You know, these kind of things just don't happen. But Cornelius had everybody there. The whole gang was there. They're waiting. Here he comes. Oh, man, I can imagine what Cornelius was doing. You know, Cornelius was, was I'm getting really good friendly with Cornelius. I kind of like this guy. I can see him going around each other. Now, man, he's going to come here, and he's going to show us the way to salvation. This is really going to be great. You can't, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Are we all ready now? Come on, everybody get settled here. Come on, man. Can everybody see? He's coming. He's coming. That must have been really wild. I wonder if he ordered his troops to attend a party. I wonder if Cornelius asked his guys to come. People respected Cornelius. People respected him. They respected his position. They respected what he stood for. They knew he was a godly man. They knew he was religious. They knew he was, had the fear of God in him. When he asked them to come to his house to hear someone come and speak, they said, yeah, we want to come because they respected Cornelius. I've been saying a couple times, when you tell somebody you believe in Jesus, do the people you're telling believe that you believe it? That's important. Because if they don't believe that you don't believe it, why would they want it? Yeah, I believe in Christ. Hmm. Cornelius knew salvation was coming, and he couldn't stand it. They were all assembled together. God's perfect timing. God had everything in place, everything in order. God had done a mighty work. He had prepared both hearts. He had prepared everything, and now he was getting ready to put all the pieces together. Peter says in verses 28 and 29, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one another nation. 
But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked them, for what reason have you sent me? Peter made the connection. Peter started out thinking the vision was about a dietary law. I can't eat those things. They're unclean. But as the Lord worked in his heart, he made the connection. He was talking about men. He was talking about salvation for men. Peter made the connection. I am only confused as to why he asked the question, why did you send for me? Did he forget? Acts 1, 8, you shall be my witnesses in all Judea and Samaria, and Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. Why did he say that? Interesting. Maybe he just wanted to hear them say it. The Lord was tumbling down walls. The Lord was having walls crash down all around us. The Apostle Paul would later write in his epistle to the Ephesian church these words in chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have become brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows in the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. He's made the two one. Christ has come so that the two might be one, Jew and Gentile. Jew and Gentile became one in Jesus Christ. In early Christianity, they used to call themselves the third nation. The third nation, they didn't call themselves Jews, they didn't call themselves Gentiles, referring to the new man, they were the third nation. Gentiles are now in Jesus Christ, they were, they were far off, they weren't even offered salvation, but they were made near by what? The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ accomplished this because of Jesus' sacrificial death. This only happens by the blood of Jesus Christ. Gentiles who are not in Christ are still far off. They're still out there searching for something. They're still out there waiting for hear the gospel message. Coming close to Jesus Christ, this reconciliation only happens by faith. The important thing that Paul connects the idea is about the great love of Jesus and his sacrificial death. Many people think that preaching Christ crucified is all about the, the bloody, gory Jesus. But the point of Christ crucified is not the gore, but the love. Preaching Christ crucified means we preach Christ Jesus full of love. Because it was love that brought him to the cross. It was love that hugged him on the cross. It was love that caused him to die on the cross. A love for you, a love for me, a love for the world. That's what we are brought here by. The love by the blood of Jesus Christ. Many people will tell you, oh, there's different ways to get to God. There's different ways to get to God. We shouldn't try to change anybody's religion. I mean, after all, it's their religion. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. That doesn't mean up with what Christ said. The only way to be brought near to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. The only way to accept the blood of Jesus Christ is go right to the cross and repent of your sins and ask him to come into your heart. 
and be born again. And that is the only way, and that's what Scripture tells us, and that's what we believe. When Christ died on a cross, he suffered as a guilty sinner. He became sin who knew no sin. He became sin for us. He became the sin that God couldn't look at. He became the sin that God turned away, and when he shouted out those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that we wouldn't have to be. He is our peace. He didn't just make the peace. He is our peace. Beautiful scripture in John 16, I bet you could quote it. I've asked you to quote it. You could probably quote it. You will probably say, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Don't you think that's what John 16, says? Well, half of it. He says in John 16, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. He gives you the answer before he gives you the problem. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world. Christ has overcome the world by death hanging on a brutal Roman cross, bleeding, and the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Christ continually makes us new, makes us whole, makes us whole, makes us refreshed. I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ. But you know there was an actual wall in the temple? There was an actual wall. There was a rope that went down the temple that separated men and women, first of all. And then there was actual walls that separated the Jews and the Gentiles. Those Gentiles, even that converted to Judaism, even became Judaism through all the things, circumcision and everything, had to sit behind a wall. They couldn't join in with the other Jews. Christ said, that wall's gone. I've demolished that wall. Can you remember when our faith was called Judeo-Christianity? There was a time when that was what it was referred to, Judeo-Christianity. Those of you who can't accept the Jews might have a small problem with that. FYI, Jesus was a Jew. Christ has broken the separation. He's broken the wall. He became our peace. He became the peace that we all long for the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He died so that we could have that peace in our hearts. Do you have that peace today? Is that peace in your heart and so flowing in your heart that you know it? Praise God. Shout out, sister. I love it. That's okay. She has that peace. I believe it. Praise God. That peace that passes understanding. That peace that he died to give you. The peace that he died to make you whole. We have access to the Father now through the Holy Spirit because of his blood. Access to the Holy Spirit. We're no longer strangers or foreigners to God. We belong to the same household. Did you know you're a child of the king? You're the king's kid. It says here, here in John 1.12, but as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name who were born, not of blood, nor the will of man, but God. That's the born-again experience. That's what he's talking about, the born-again experience in God. Cornelius tells Peter, that's why I sent you. I sent you for this reason, that you might tell my friends, my family, about the good news of Jesus Christ. You're the final piece of the puzzle. You're the salvation that I've been longing for all this time. You're the one that's going to give me Jesus Christ, and he's going to fit right into that hole into my heart, and he's going to fulfill everything I've ever wanted. He's going to fulfill everything that Judaism couldn't fulfill, everything that the law couldn't do, everything that religion can't do. 
I don't care how many candles you burn, you always got to burn one more. I don't care how many prayers you say, there always has to be one more. God's saying, peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives peace, but my peace. Take my peace upon you. Cornelius recants what happened to him and tells Peter, now on four days I was fasting until this hour. At the ninth hour I prayed in the house and before me stood a man in bright clothing. And he said to me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Therefore, send to Joppa and call Simon, whose surname is Peter. He's lodging at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So immediately I did that. And you've been one well to come, Peter. You've done very well to come. Now, therefore, we present before God ourselves that you might speak to us the things commanded by God. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I have another little question to ask you. Do you come to church like Cornelius? Do you come to church like Cornelius hoping that when you get through that door, you're going to receive something today? Because if you, you come, because God says, come to me, and I'm going to show you fantastic things. When you walk in the door, you're expecting, Lord, you're going to show me. You're going to talk to me. You're going to, I'm going to hear from you today. In your word says, I will hear from you. What Christian doesn't want to hear these words? What Christian doesn't want to hear the words, speak to these people about this. This is better than what must I do to be saved. Cornelius is saying, you know, I was praying, and the Lord told me to call you, and now I want you to tell these people what God told you to tell them. Wow. That's faith. That's faith. This is what Warren Wiersbe says. They were not interested, Gentiles, asking for a lecture on Jewish religion. They were lost sinners begging to be told how to be saved. Isn't that wonderful? They had a want. They had such a want to be saved. As we close here, there's a couple things I think we can wrap this up with. The first idea is that religion, and one religion is as good as the next, is completely false. It's completely false. There is only one religion, and that's faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to God. Those who say we can worship a God of many names are wrong. Don't try to change other people's religion. They're wrong. That's not what Scripture says. Cornelius had piety. He had morality. He was a good man. He had the fear of God, but he didn't have salvation. And it's by salvation that we're saved, and only by salvation we're saved. You cannot get there by any other way, but by declaring yourself a sinner. I'm a sinner. And Christ came to earth to save sinners. Thank you, Lord. That's what we want. That's who we want. Cornelius had a religion, but he didn't have a relationship. Some might say, leave Cornelius alone. He's a good man. His religion is part of his culture. It's a shame to change his culture. God doesn't see it that way. Apart from hearing the message of the gospel and apart from trusting in Christ, Cornelius had no hope. Period. No hope. No hope. Secondly, we can see that a seeking Savior, you remember we discussed him, the hound of heaven? The seeking Savior will find the seeking sinner. If you are a sinner seeking a Savior, trust me, he will find you. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, he says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. The Lord is saying to Jeremiah, Tell them that if they seek me with all their heart, they will find me. The seeking Savior, the hound of heaven, will find and seek you out if you are indeed a seeking sinner with your whole heart. Wherever there's a searching heart, God responds. This is why it's so important for God's children to obey. We're to obey him. We're to obey what he wants his will to be done, and we're to share his word. You never know who's going to accept. You never know the first next witness. 
You never know the next witness that you're going to share the Christ with who's going to be saved. You don't know if you walk out there today and you go to your favorite Wawa and get your favorite cup of coffee that the Lord is putting behind the person's behind the counter heart to be born again. You don't know if this is their day of salvation or not. And you say, you start talking about the Lord, all of a sudden they're drawn closer. See, God prepares both hearts. He's prepared our hearts. We're ready. And we pray that he prepares the hearts of the world. The hearts in Panama are ready. They're ripe for salvation. And as Cheryl and John and her, and, her, and her friends go down there and they take these proclaimers and they put them in the midst of these Indian tribes, these indigenous tribes, and they turn the proclaimers on, what are they going to hear? These Indians who speak all kinds of different languages are going to hear the gospel in their own native tongue. Not through an interpreter, but by their own native tongue. You don't think that has power? You don't think that it has mighty, mighty power? And that's what's going to happen. God is doing a mighty work. Look around and see the work that God is doing. Get involved in it. Finally, Peter was a very privileged minister to have a congregation that was totally attended to him. Not that you aren't. You are. But can you imagine? He walks into this room, and there's hundreds of people. Tell us, Peter. We want to know. Tell us. Cornelius is a man of faith, and he assembled everyone there to hear the word of God. They expected to hear something that would change their lives, and it did. We're going to find out very, very soon that it changed the world, that it changed their lives. We're going to read that they listened and they accepted. They heard the word of God and they knew it to be the word of God and they accepted God. So for you, it could be the best of times, could be the worst of times. Where are you in your life? But if one thing I know and one thing scriptures tell me, that if it's the best of times and if it's the worst of times, our God never changes. Our God is always the same yesterday, today, forever. He never changes. He never changes his, his love for you. He never changes his characteristics towards you. It's love through Jesus Christ. Our God never changes. You could be going through the worst time and the most horrendous time you've ever been through. Oh, remember, one thing, God is in control. Two things, he's still on the throne. Three, he won't change. His love will still continue to pour through you. You may be going through the absolute best time you've ever had. God is still the same, and he's not a respecter of person. Just because you're going through that rotten time doesn't mean he loves the person who is going through the good time any more than he loves you because God can never love you any more than he does right now. Be encouraged with that. Be encouraged. Continue to accept his amazing grace that's poured out to you daily. Scripture says his mercy is new when? Every morning. Every single morning we wake up into a new mercy of God. His mercy is new. It's like it starts all over. Thank you, Jesus. We're born again into the living hope. If that's not something to rejoice about, I don't know what is. That's what we rejoice about. That's what we give glory to. That's what we give thanks to. We don't give thanks to man. We don't give thanks to a religion. We don't give thanks to a church. We give thanks to a one and only blessed Savior who loved you so much that he went and hung on a cross, allowed them to put nails in his hands and his feet and die. That's rejoicing. That's what we do. Accept what he has for you. Accept all that he has for you. You Our time with you is running short for today's edition of A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get. 
but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.